Clay, just by chance, you've covered every single Western in Star Trek history. Oh, boy. Ah, so far. So far. Yeah, Discovery's fourth season is entirely a Western. Um, how many Westerns have there been, and can you name them? Uh, I would bet second, a- second question, no. Um, would do double, are you counting by episode, like the two-parters count as a single one? No, they're all single episodes. They are? Okay. Yes, unless you can think um, of something that, th- these are like overtly Western episodes. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe the one I'm thinking of doesn't count then. Uh, six. Two. This is the third. There have been two before this. Spectre okay, of a I Gun, was... which is TOS. They have the uh-huh. weird purple uh, Western planet in the third season. Spectre of the Gun, we watched that one. And then Fistful of Datas was the one that you watched with uh, Dan and us. Uh, watched that one where Data becomes everybody in the holodeck and Worf and Deanna are in there having to deal with him. Okay, because I was thinking um, <clears throat> the one where they go back in time, where uh, Time's Arrow, which is yeah, which is not really a yes. Western, yeah, but they do it's go the back same, to same. So I guess it's the same era. Same but it's era, not explicitly yeah. a Western. That's, that's, that's true. Yeah, it would be Twain's. <clears throat> you want to draw that distinction? Yeah, yeah. There's only been th- this is the third. There's only been three, which is surprising to me. Um, yeah, I, I would I would have said one per series at least. Yeah, I know. It seems like it seems like it would be the thing that you would fall back on. But no, we, we like Spectre of the Gun. I think we gave that a four out of five, and we didn't think Fistful of Datas was nearly as good, but we put a lot of the blame on Patrick Stewart for that one because he directed it, and uh, oh, it was sure. not very good. Okay. But now we're up to North Star, which is Enterprise's spin on the wheel. So let's take a break. We'll play a clip from North Star, and then we'll come back and we'll break it down. And you were born there? I was born in upstate New York. Spent most of my adult life in San Francisco, though. You've heard of San Francisco? Pacific Coast. Why didn't you tell us who you were? I wasn't sure how you'd react. We thought we'd better get the lay of the land first. Well, I can't say I blame you. North Star is the ninth episode of the third season. came out on November 12th, 2003. It is 10 out of 28 in the Zindi Crisis arc, written by David A. Goodman, directed by David Strayton, in Universe State, not known, it's 2153. In this episode, Archer and the crew try to discover why a 19th century era human settlement has been placed in the middle of the Delphic Expanse. Really uh, stretching what being a part of the Zindi arc means in this one, I think. Yeah, they mentioned Zindi. Zindi are mentioned once in this episode. Maybe it's a little bit of a problem that they don't focus more of the main problem of the episode on the Zindi, which you think would be prime, but we can get into that. Um, This is the third Western Ignoring anything else, I think this is the best looking of the three Westerns that they've done so far. Um, I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't ruin anything. By spo- I like this episode quite a bit. I think that this one's um, fun, has a great guest cast group on there, mm-hmm. feels like a Western, looks like a Western, <laughs> and actually manages to solve a few enterprise problems by adopting a genre like this. And mm. um, although a lot of people preemptively on Twitter have said they hate this episode, and I think the patron comments are a mixed bag as well. Mm. But what did you think about it? Um, I didn't hate it. <clears throat> uh, I thought I, I agree. I think it looks pretty good, even though they're using that like uh, late 90s 
digital f- blowout effect. Yeah, um, it's all, it's it all, like it's all yeah, done in post to make it look um, oversaturated or not overexposed. Yeah, um, I, I think the costumes in the town, I think it looks fantastic. Like it looks like a Western. Trip looks exactly like Marty McFly from uh, Back to the Future 3. <laughs> Um, great guest actors in this one i think this is this is this is loaded with the uh the guy who plays the crooked deputy is the very Mm -hmm. first character that you see in deadwood he gets hung by seth bullock at the very oh no kidding well that's that's ironic because he hangs a person at the beginning (laughs) of the episode (laughs) and um it's actually very similar opening it is it's a very similar opening yes i don't i actually don't know whether deadwood or this came out first um he's also um He's also shows up in a lot of Tarantino movies. He's yeah. the son of uh, Michael Parks. Yeah, James who, Parks is that yeah, uh, that yeah. actor's name. He's in, he's in a lot. He's got a very recognizable face. Um, mm-hmm. Glenn, uh, I think it's Morshower is the sheriff who's been in a lot mm-hmm. of Star Trek and is in a lot of TV in general as a guest actor. Just solid. Usually, usually as a general. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more often than not, he's playing somebody in the Pentagon. Yes, he, he plays a lot of government uh, officials. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it looks really good for what it is. I think that um, I think it's a sharp-looking episode. I think the production value is all there. I think that it. Um, there's only one thing that we'll get into that I think was kind of a mistake. It does have that over overexposed look to it, which is maybe a little bit strong, but it's it's a very stylized thing. They actually, interestingly, they don't stick with that look for the entire time. It's they abandon it a little bit of the ways into the episode yeah. and they stop doing it, which I don't I don't know if I like. I think I would have just kept it to be consistent. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, if you have anything to say about that, otherwise, I'm just going to ask you or I will just gonna say that this is an episode that requires a great deal of buy in. I think like you. Yes. You just have to buy into what they're doing. And it's funny because I think if this is a TOS episode you don't have any problem buying into this idea, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. For some reason, the more with the modern Star Treks, people are like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Why Why? Why is these Western people not evolved in 300 years? Why, why are they exactly the same as they were? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you think there's a difference between the series, if Enterprise needs to justify itself, or if you don't matter, or if it bugged you at all while you were watching it. Um, it did occur to me. Um, but it didn't really bother me that much. I don't really care. Um, if, if you want to get hung up about why the Western town didn't advance past Western technology in 300, you're more than welcome to do that. But yeah. I, I, it doesn't really bother me that much. Um, it, it does open. I mean, to, to be fair to that, a lot of it, like, I think in a worse episode, it would be something that I'd get hung up on and be like, okay, mm-hmm. so they overthrew these powerful aliens, but they didn't keep any of their technology. They didn't, right, you know, they didn't right. do... well. I guess they don't really—they don't really establish what level of technology. I guess they have spaceships. Yeah, they but, have spaceships, which I guess would Im- imply that there is a fairly—they uh, probably have better weapons than bullets. I would think. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, unless I mean, well, if you assume they they uh, they overthrew them relatively quickly, I mean, it might have just been like uh, we don't know how any of this works, but we do know how bullets work, so let's just start making bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, nice to see that they found some native horses to that planet as well. Yeah. yeah. They brought everything um, yeah. over. And I mean, they, you know, they built a town on an alien planet that looks exactly like a Western town. Right. You know, it's, th- mm-hmm. there's, so there's, it's not that it's not strange, but it's a, 
to to enjoy the episode, I think you have to completely ignore all of that strangeness mm-hmm. and watch it as a Star Trek episode and Star Trek TOS episode is what I'm what I'm saying when I say Star Trek episode. Yeah, it's um it actually kind of reminded me quite a bit of the uh the prisoner episode where they do the western episode. Yep. What's that um, one called? Don't forsake uh, me my darling, is that that one? No. Um fuck. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember. Once upon a time maybe. I can't remember. You exactly. go ahead. I'll see if I can look it up. Um in that the thing that they do here that actually kind of works that doesn't usually work for this show is Living in Harmony. Start, I'm sorry. Living, living in, in harmony. harmony. There we go. Yes. Uh, obviously, Harmony is the name of the town, right? Um, the uh, the thing that they do here that that they that works better than usual is they start the story in media res, as it were, where they're already down on the on the the planet. And uh, honestly, if it wasn't for every single two sentence blurb about this, starting with the Enterprise crew ends up on a planet where humans from old Western times have been transplanted. You mean I, the I think Netflix blur before you start yeah, playing it and stuff, yeah. I feel like it's actually a fairly effective mystery because the mystery is you kind of don't really know what's going on. Right. Because, you don't know if it's um, reality or a holodeck program or something that they, they've run into. Yeah. And it's it's not really even well, I guess it is kind of what they're after, but it's it's uh they 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 play it pretty well and it's there there's a when when you when you when they reveal what what's going on you get this little bit of like social commentary which uh i don't know if it entirely works um but uh i think i think it's a fun episode and um i i the thing that i felt myself saying more than anything else was why are they here sure um what what are they doing here? What does this have to do with the Zindi stuff? But that being said, I think it falls into that tough area for a show like Enterprise, where they're still trying to do ep- episodic stuff, even in the middle of this big serial serialized thing. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it worked as a standalone episode. I think it's actually probably one of the better ones. I don't um. I guess I would push back because I, I have heard criticism too that it's uh, that it's a strange episode to have in the middle of the Zindi arc, and I just mm-hmm. I don't I I think that if you're going to say that there's a problem there, I think it's more that they don't really thematically tie the prejudice angle into yeah. the Zindi thing. Like Archer sure. doesn't have a connect the dots moment where he goes like, "Oh, like this is exactly like the Zindi situation I'm in." I. I I think in an episode of however many episodes are in this season, like 22, they can't do Z- chasing the Zindi for 22 episodes. Like they have to, mm-hmm. as you're saying, they have to take these standalone things. And I think this one works. Like as they're trying yeah. to find the Zindi, they find this weird planet that they have to examine because it's very strange as a Western civilization on this. It's it, it's still it still shows to me that the the show and Enterprise are still kind of a Federation starship even if it has this overarching mission that it has to go on to find the Zindi weapon, it still has time to do things like this. And I'm, I'm actually, I, is this the first episode that's not explicitly Zindi related in that, like Um, the the main background? It might be. Yeah. They, I think from the most of them, there's at least like a tangential 
subplot or something. But this one seems very much like a side quest. I found it. I found it to be a relief, honestly. Um, which is maybe not to speak very highly of the Zindi arc at this point, but I was like, I'm glad that this is kind of happening, and it mm-hmm. took or it took its foot off the gas for a little bit, and just to have a little bit of fun with it. Um, it has more. It has a thematic weakness, which we can get into. But before we get into the weaknesses, I did want to say that uh, one of the things that I enjoyed so much about it is that they found a way to make the stock and at this point very annoying fourth act enterprise action scene makes sense in the context of the episode they were talking Mm. about. So Mm -hmm. enterprise for the past season and beyond that even really has had this really terrible habit that I've complained about and you've complained about where they, they always devolve it into an action sequence at some point. Mm -hmm. It always just becomes Archer and some guy fighting each other or chasing each other, shooting each other with phasers. This is the first time where it made a lot of sense to me. Like this is this is the only way that this genre can play out is that you have to have a gunfight at some point. Right. And so right, yeah. it, even though it was exactly what Enterprise does, I was like, oh, they found the perfect excuse to do what Enterprise always does and it actually works and elevates the material in this case. Yeah, oddly enough, this episode works better than the one that was the lift of the actual Western. The, yeah, the, the, well, the guess, second if season. If you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, Marauders, the Klingon yeah, episode. Yeah. I guess you could call it a lift of Seven Samurai, but regardless... Uh, it's more of a magnificent seven kind of thing the way they were doing it, and it's it doesn't that one doesn't work as well as this one does. Yeah. Um, that being said, I yeah I think it's I think it works for the most part, but like it's a, it's just kind of it's a strange, fairly low stakes mission. Um, because they're they're just kind of like we got to these people seem to be human. What are they doing here? Oh, okay, well we know now. Let's go. Yeah. Well, you can't, can't, we can't take him with us. Yep. Maybe. <laughs> and even at the end, Arch is like, I've just blown your collective minds telling you about the fact that Earth exists and is highly advanced. It's going to be a while before you see another person from Earth. I just need to. <laughs> we got, here's a, we got here's a real a problem we got to deal with first. I can't, I yeah. can't take you just now. It's nice to know that you guys are here just in case Earth happens to get blown up. I'm not just saying that <laughs> hypothetical. No reason. No yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of weird where it's there like, here, here's all of recorded history to D- deal with uh until we return most likely they're going to come back and that whole s- society has killed itself yes yeah um well, t- tuberculosis has claimed the the entire town the, the yeah, plague has yeah. come and cleaned everybody out but it was it was some weird stuff like that where it's like they're they're trying to i i think someone calls it out. I, I think maybe to paul calls it out but they're like uh Archer is debating whether or not they should bring these people back to Earth and and to Paul's like, Are you high or something? These people can't go back to Earth. Yeah. These people are three hundred years behind the times of modern civilization. It would it would it wouldn't work. I have <clears throat> I have mixed opinions about it. I I think what this episode is trying to do is a good attempt that as all Enterprise episodes do, falls kind of short of being good at what it's trying to mm-hmm. talk about. Mm-hmm. The the other the thing that maybe to, to get to the end first, the thing that kind of ruins it for me in a lot of ways is that Archer's response to this stuff is where I think a huge problem conceptually with Enterprise comes in, where as he's explaining how Earth has changed to this guy, he's like, we don't have prejudice anymore. We're just we're 
We're basically the next generation <laughs> Star Trek. We don't have we don't have prejudice anymore, and I can tell you guys don't either because you're all white. <laughs> they have the the they have so the episode is dealing with prejudice. It's it's mm-hmm. taking that stand in, but it's my my appropriate take on Enterprise should be that humanity and Starfleet and Archer are still struggling with these issues. Like they're they're trying to be better, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. This episode isn't Enterprise to me, where Archer just beams down and is like, "You guys are fucking out of you know out to left field with this." Like we're way beyond all this stuff. This is a very Archer's take here is a very first season t- uh, TNG take where the characters mm-hmm. would just lecture other people about like, we don't eat animals. We're, we're above eating animals. You guys are filthy animal eaters. Um, that's a problem to me for the enterprise conception, just because it doesn't give Archer room to maneuver there. There's like nothing he can learn because he's just going to lecture people about it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do like the, um, the prejudice angle. It's like a very simple, low stakes Star Trek thing that I actually found very old-timey, which we can get into a bit. But I, I just thought it was a, a fairly... I thought it was effective for what the genre episode was supposed to be. And I was a little bit upset also that they don't tie it into the Zindi in that in that case. But those are the two takeaways, that Archer's, Archer's too moralistic in that the Zindi aren't tied in very effectively to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how they handle this in Discovery because this is pretty much the same story as what's going on with the Kelpians, right? Because the Kelpians have that, the muck people who are uh, eating them, and we find out the reason they're being eaten is because the Kelpians once ruled over them yeah. or some shit like that, right? Yep. So in this, it's the same story. In this case, the Skags are the Kelpians. Um, yes. And I think it's, I think when you get into that kind of stuff, the the moralizing that they're trying to do gets a little bit icky or, or muddy because... In order for this to really work, I think there really needs to be someone, probably to Paul, who kind of understands why they're prejudiced against the Skags. Um, even though it's been 300 years, it's like still like these people were taken from their homes and turned into slaves by this group of people, and they are rightfully mad about it. It's been 300 years, but, you know, it, it still happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that never gets addressed it's just you guys need to stop being mad at the people who enslaved you 300 years ago which through a modern lens questionable at best as a theme yeah, well, that's the thing that that that's what actually made me this episode actually brought me to in a way that a few of the star trek episodes have done it's like the death of liberalism in a lot of ways like it's a mm. this is it's all this episode lectures about the nature and the pointlessness of cyclical hatred and cyclical violence, right? Sure. And now, just watching this through the modern lens, our entire culture is cyclical hatred and cyclical violence against people. So it's like Archer's Archer's point is like touching and old-fashioned, but he's like, I think he's right, actually, is that Mm -hmm. like, come on, people, like, Get your like like there's no you have to move on. It's not that you were personally impacted by this. Like you're sure. they're, they're sort of on their own alien planet and stuff like that. But it's been hundreds of years, and two wrongs don't make a right. Basically, is like the the, mm-hmm. the main takeaway from this. I just find that Archer's 
um, perspective, as you say, is to not be very modern. But I think the modern take is wrong about what he's saying. And I think that he's actually right in this case. Well, I, I think I think the difference is that in this case, the people he's lecturing are in a position of power, whereas generally the modern take is not coming from a position of power in that sense. Because um, the, the, the people in this, the humans in the story have complete dominance over the skags, mm-hmm. which is not the case when you're reading it through a, a modern lens. Um, so in, in this case, in, if you're looking at the, the show itself, I think, yeah, he's right. They, they're basically subjugating a people based on something that is, is 300 years old and is no longer applicable uh, because of, you know, it, stuff has moved on and they clearly won. Yeah. And there's the skags ne- are not a side, threat to them. Neither anymore. side is tied to that. Neither the skags nor the humans are of that conflict. Like they're they're the right. the, the ancestors of that conflict. Right. And I would do you think this is supposed to be like some sort of like Middle Eastern analogy or something for uh a, a fairly western look at um warring tribes in in Afghanistan or Iraq or something? Given, oh, I I just thought it they, was um I thought it was actually Native American, uh, a Native American point. Um, they they add a sort of additional flip to the that the Native Americans mm-hmm. were never in control of the white settlers. Like they they add that to make it kind of a little, um, like a little sci fi twist on it or whatever. But I think basically it's just the subjugation of the natives, and and is my under, my approach to how I viewed this anyway. Mm-hmm. You think yeah. it was actually yeah. more tied into the the Middle Eastern oh, Afghanistan I have, conflict? I, I, don't, I have I have no idea. I just I I don't I don't know if maybe if that was something you were thinking given the time this was made. But again, yeah, even with the Native American thing, it's not a total one to one metaphor that works because the it's the Native Americans weren't subjugating the rich people who the white people who came to to America. It was, yep. uh, and so in that case, the prejudice against the Native Americans is much much more un- much less warranted than it is here yeah um yeah so i think that that little switch i think makes it kind of i think it makes his speech make more sense within the episode sorry which which switches the when they the, 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 the fact that flip. he's talking to the group who has is now started off as the the subjugated class and is now as the dominant class yeah um and I, I think it makes sense in the episode, but I think it's that's what is stopping it from making sense mm-hmm. in a modern context. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I guess personally, I enjoy his point because. Oh sure, it yeah, seems. I mean, it's a, I mean, in general, sure, yeah. Yeah, it point. seems to be just like the z- the zero sum game that the modern audience would see through this, which is that the oppressors who've been oppressing you deserve to be punished for like, if you, if you look at this as like a, like a, a black modern black lens, right. Where it's Mm -hmm. like, it's through a system of oppression that you've ended up at this point. Now that you're now to sort of get back to what you think you deserve which is what these white westerners do in this to think that they are they deserve to get back to some sort of like equal playing field it's always going to seesaw back and forth where there's never any kind of equilibrium to it you can't you can't like 
you can't overcompensate to create equilibrium equilibrium because all it does is mm-hmm. puts the the tilt the other way to get back to it. So then then you're dealing with the oppression that this episode is talking about from the other direction, where once they took over control, mm-hmm. they just over they overcompensated, and now the skags are back to where the things are, and that this is mm-hmm. never going to actually solve anything. Um, I just found it. I did find it to your point. It, it's it's a, it's through a modern lens which again, I personally don't like. I don't like the modern lens of looking at things that way. This is a very strange concept for Archer to be talking about, or it's, it's a strange mm. episode that Archer has. I think it just makes, um, our, the, I think it makes the politics of Star Trek and the politics of like the era that fed into this seem desperately bygone at this point, which is kind of sad mm. to me uh, because I like those ideas. But... Uh, as a, it's the first episode of a Star Trek that made me feel that way, which was interesting, and I don't know why because it's not like this is an unusual setup for Star Trek. Mm. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it is a really fascinating point to try to make in a show like this because, as I joked about earlier, it's exclusively white people in this episode, and it's like if you, I feel like you get into trouble immediately if you make it any other way, because that immediately assigns real world value to whoever is getting subjugated or lectured at or whatever, whoever's in power. And it's like, it's kind of difficult to really tell this story. Well, there's a black man in town. You mean? Yeah. 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 Like if, if, if the skags are all uh, people of color. Oh, I was just thinking like if they, if they cast it where the deputy was a black guy, right? Mm-hmm. You'd be going to this and it makes no sense that they've gone beyond their contemporary prejudice, right? But they hate the skags, but they're like, this black guy is excellent. Like he's, right. you know, it's that right. kind of a thing. It's yeah. where they would treat the, they would treat the modern casting as fair, but they hate the skags is, is just kind of, they've managed to overcome one prejudice, but they can't overcome the second prejudice would be the, the, the twisted weirdness of that storyline. Yeah. I would say this probably works best as like a, as like a written story, that visual mm-hmm. story where you don't, you don't get super specific about what everybody may or may not look like. Unfortunately. I wonder what the, um, the makeup of <clears throat> towns like that. Like I, like even if I'm just thinking of Deadwood, there's not mm-hmm. a lot of black people in Deadwood. There are in later seasons, mm. but it, it didn't feel to me like if I went back into these Western towns, would I see a lot of black people in those towns? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can tell you what they're missing is the uh, the Chinatown section. Yeah, they're missing Chinatown. Yeah. Yeah, because that was a very prominent Deadwood. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Archie says that he is a San Francisco cocksucker in this episode. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, even 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 there though too, it's like they at this point, what is their identity? Are, are they do they are even identifying as as people from Earth at that point? Like they kind of aren't, right? Uh, that's a good question. They no, they're not. They know that they know they think of Earth as a myth, according to mm-hmm. the sheriff. It's been so long that they um they don't identify as humans. I, well, they would identify as humans, but they don't identify as earthlings or anything like that. If that yeah. makes a difference. Yeah, it's, it just it just creates so it, it it lends itself to I think I, I agree with what you're saying <clears throat> in that Archer's point is fairly simplistic. 
because I think once you start scratching the surface about the makeup of, of this world and the circumstances, it's going to get complicated really quickly. Um, but yeah, I think overall it's, uh, it, it's, I think overall it's a good, it's a good fun episode. It's a, it's a good Western. Um, the opening cold open, very weird. It is very similar to Deadwood, but it's like, you know, at that, at that point you don't know that the people person that's getting hung is, is like a, an alien really. An alien, he's yeah. just got shit. He's got shit on him, but it's dark. So you can't tell if it's like <laughs> blood or whatever. The alien makeup so, in this is just acne too. So yeah, you, it's you, like really bad yeah. acne. Yeah. couple of um, So it's, it's tough to tell if the, it just feels like a Western where a guy gets pretty brutally uh, lynched yeah. in the opening scene. And then it's been a long road. You know, I don't think it's it, as it bad continues as the, to not the previous, the previous episode I think was worse. I think that yeah. this one, this one seemed a little bit, a little bit more believable. If, honestly, if it becomes a running joke in this show to see how dark the cold open can get to contrast with the ridiculousness of that song, I'm in. You gotta have, like, gotta I'm, have, I'm here for it. Gotta have fun with it. I think, um, Maybe what was interesting to me about it is that I think maybe what makes this the best of the three westerns is that I feel that this episode actually has a western theme to it. It has a mm-hmm. um, this idea of the westerns being so interested in like a Deadwood way about the the dawning of a civilization, like what that actually means, and the westerns are always about challenging that. It's about the the struggle between the individual and the society and stuff like that. You're running from the law and the law is encroaching on you. And it's all very mm-hmm. Western genre tropey stuff. Um, and I thought that this one where, where the other Westerns in Star Trek are, Hey, we're in a Western. Let's shoot some guys with our six shooter. You know, the, the TNG one is this bunch of datas. All the datas are all the characters in this, this holodeck program. This is weird. And then the mm-hmm. specter of the gun one is just, Due to budget cuts, we're going to shoot this episode in a western <laughs> um, area. This one, I I just I thought that it worked in terms of the crew of the Enterprise being outsiders to this town, and there being a struggle about what it means to live together between the Skags mm-hmm. and the humans who live in that society, and that that sort of reciprocal cyclical violence is not a way that a society can function over time. Like you can't build off of that. And Archer coming Mm -hmm. in as the outsider who kind of opens the door to a better civilization for them, where the episode kind of touchingly ends on the, the, them teaching the skag children and the sheriff standing in the doorway, kind of like happy to be there and happy to be building this thing. Because as you say, they're not going to get picked up for 500 years by any starship. They They have to learn how to deal with it. I appreciated that this episode was actually a Western in a lot of ways. Mm. Like it wasn't just, we have a Western themed show with a bunch of hats. Let's all put on hats. Gene. So I give it credit. Gene. Gene, Gunsmoke's using all the Western costumes. Does it work if the Western town is populated by <laughs> people in togas? <laughs> There's some kind of point to be made there. I give the show credit. Like Enterprise doesn't always do that, I guess, would be mm-hmm. my point. So I, I felt that this episode was actually well-conceived. Um, yeah. It sounds like it didn't excite you all that much, and I know that some of the other patrons didn't like it. I I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of arguing as to why I think this episode is very good, especially for mm-hmm. Enterprise, and I don't know if I'm making a compelling argument. No, I, I liked it. It's just I, it's another, it's, 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 a, it's kind of an odd one because it's one where – 
the Enterprise guys don't really do much. They, you know, uh, they have their gunfight at the end, but even even there, it's like the I the the one thing that I came away thinking about was like, does this technically count as a prime directive violation? No, they're human. Okay, but it's been three hundred years, and clearly they, they're intermarrying and and uh, uh, yeah, mixing, the, 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 mixing the, races the, and stuff, skagging their boots. Um, but, according but like, to the team, at, at what point? At what point does the prime directive now apply to a human civilization that has no knowledge of where they came from? It's a good question. There's the, the TNG episode, the Masterpiece Society, has the same thing, where a human colony has been separated from Earth for hundreds of years, and in mm-hmm. that episode. The justification to doing things is that they're human, therefore the prime directive doesn't apply. So that seems to be the mm. case. These guys, yeah, it would have been one thing. I think also losing it is that they do know they were abducted by aliens. You know, so the, okay, the, sure. There's yeah. a like we know that spaceships are possible. So this also takes that out of the equation. Where if you know that faster than like travel happens, apparently you can save people. It, I um, you know, I'm glad they didn't get into the prime directive stuff because I don't think it's yeah. relevant. Yeah, yeah. It was just something I was thinking of because, like, I was thinking <clears throat> if if aliens showed up tomorrow and said, or, or quote unquote aliens showed up tomorrow and said. People of Earth, you are actually originally from SETI Alpha 5. We're here to tell you, bring you back or, or whatever. I think everybody would be like, no, nah, I think we're pretty good here. Yeah. <laughs> A, we don't believe you. B, what are you selling? C, I think we're good where we are. Like, it's just such a strange concept of, of just like, I don't know, sh- I guess they're helping their society move forward by telling them what's going on on Earth or whatever. Well, but. there is there, there is a magical act performed here, which is that the teacher gets shot and Phlox can heal mm-hmm. her. So it would be right. like if aliens came in, you had stage four lung cancer and they touched you and they cured the cancer and they're like, you know, we, th- we're we you and you can actually do this on this other planet. There's a there's a temptation there. that this This episode doesn't really get into the fact that the world, like, that they can leave to go to a better place because the characters mm. aren't really into that. But that's the implication, I think. Yeah, and I was a little surprised that they didn't have a scene like that where when they're talking about the fact that these are humans from Earth and they've been here for 300 years and someone is like, is it really our place to tell them what's going on here? I mean, it, it, what good does it do them for us to show up as as people from the sky, tell them about earth and then leave again yeah uh but uh, save the skags yeah that's that's uh that's a different show i guess but uh yeah it's um yeah i just found it strange because the enterprise guys don't do a ton they just sort of solve the mystery and um tell everybody what's going on and then they leave there's not there's not really anything they're after you know it's like they're just there essentially out of curiosity yes which yeah. isn't, which you know, like I said, I think the mystery actually works pretty well. It's fairly interesting. The one, the one line that I kind of got tripped up on is when, um, when they're they're figuring out that they're from Earth or whatever, and and Archer does his uh, back to the camera dramatic line reading thing, and he says uh, they kidnapped the wrong people. Is his was his intention there, like you know, in a don't mess with Texas type way? 
where he's like, you guys just kidnapped the wrong people. Oh, I, like I, that I, kind of thing. I think it's because it's after the line where the Skaggs kidnapped them and then they killed all the Skaggs and took over. He's, he's, I think he's saying that they... Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like don't, they don't, kidnapped, fuck, don't mess with Texas was ba- yeah, the, yeah, the basis okay. of that. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. I, I, re- I rewound it like three times because I kept thinking I missed something where like they were after... They were after the Dutch or something, and they ended up. <laughs> There's playing they, they Dutch heard, people. <laughs> yeah, they heard they heard Switzerland never got into anything, so they were going after those guys. There's just a half finished windmills all over this alien planet. Mm-hmm. Where they, <laughs> if only we had the Dutch. Um, no, I, I don't. I, I think it's just yeah. They 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 picked up some. Uh, Leathernecks instead, and they they got the they got the business mm-hmm. end of their their. Speaking article. of leathernecks, uh, there was a black mako in this episode. Yeah. So head cannon Idris Elba from Star Trek yeah. Beyond. He's moving very quick. Yeah. You can't get a good look at him. Makos yep. continue to not do anything in the show. Nope. Unfortunately, they're just there. Although we sorry, we were watching it and they kept um, doing close ups on that one uh, woman mako yep. that had like the the rifle. And my girlfriend said, "So does she? Does she just not talk?" And I was like, "I've never seen that character ever before." And she said, "Why are they focusing on her?" And I was like, "I don't know, because she got the biggest gun, I guess." There's there's one scene where the camera sits on her, where you think she's going to say something. She's just like <clears throat> aiming her gun, and you think she's going to yell, yell uh, "Look out!" or something. But yeah, they're just focused on her. Just have some Mako action. Uh, leading up to that, though, I thoroughly enjoyed the shot of when they land the shuttlecraft in the main street and they step out and Archie says, we need to talk. It's a very Western gunslinger uh, thing. Mm. And I, I, it's just the, I love the juxtaposition of their, they're then wearing their Star Trek uniforms as they come back and, and stuff like that. I thought, I thought it was cool. I thought that was a good thing. And it led into uh, the gunfight, which works in this episode. I normally hate this enterprise st- like action stuff. I'm not going to say this is the best example of how to get around it, but I thought it was a good example of how to get around it. Makes sense. You got to have a gunfight at this point. Yeah, I like that they worked the. St- <laughs> I like that they worked, you know, the stunning guy, the guys into like the the old western guys fall out of a window type tropes and stuff. But uh, that couldn't have been any better for the guy to get stunned and then fall out of a window <laughs> and fall through like the roof of something onto the ground. But I, I appreciate what they were doing. I think this was the first Star Trek episode where I've seen someone adjust mid-fight their phaser setting. So I think Archer is shooting above a guy at a high setting. And then when he shoots the guy, he has to click it down a little bit and he shoots him to stun him. And it was like, oh, I've never... I don't think I've ever seen on-the-fly phaser charging. It's always... Before they go into battle, they'll like set it to maximum stun and they'll click their yeah. buttons together or whatever. But this is like on the fly thing. And then Archer gets fucking lit up. And yeah, <laughs> that was that was a hell of a squib they blew off on his shoulder there. <laughs> he takes quite a beating. I don't think Flocks can fix that one. No, that, that's uh, there's definitely going to be a scar. Maybe <clears throat> not on the woman, but the Archer's half of his breast uh, bone got shot off, I think, when he took that one. Yeah, he's going to need like a total shoulder reconstructive surgery, I think. And then ends in a mano mano. You can't take Archer down. He's going to he's going to fist fight this guy and that's that's the end of it. Um mm-hmm. can't throw a punch quite as well with a hole that size in your shoulder, unfortunately. No. But he gets it done. Anything else to say about North Star? Um No, I think I think they covered everything that I had anyway. We'll go to the patrons. They they might have something to trigger our memories about this one. 
That's it for North Star. Let's take another break, play another clip. We'll come back, read some patron thoughts, and then give our final thoughts about North Star. All the things humanity's accomplished, building ships like this, traveling to other worlds, and we're still down there shooting each other. The progress on Earth, it didn't happen overnight. But it was progress all the same. You've managed to change. We haven't. Even if you could take us back, I don't think we're ready. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to support us. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. You get a couple, you know, you give a couple bucks a month and you get extra stuff. Get extra podcasts. We're close to our Voyager goal. If we get over a certain amount, we'll do every single episode of Voyager. We have extra podcasts. We do the sci-fi movies. We do Star Trek revisits. We do movie reviews. All of that. There's like 100 podcasts on the Patreon feed at this point. So you sign up, you get access to them. And a special thank you goes to our Captain Tier supporters. Special thank you to Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Michael Pond, Andrew Sherlock, Matthew Ross, Samuel Custer, Matt Cutler, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, Nick Sergi, Sean Grimsanto, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Kevin Reyes, Darth Moss, Walt 13 Hero, Jordan Cooper, Russell Elledge, Rune Venler, HH28, Stefan Minton, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Point Extra G, Johnny Franceschi, Mike Harris, Nick the Rat, Captain Brazen, Eric Santuan, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Larry, Corey Martin, Patrick Siva, Garoppolo John Zorn, William Scheisler, Rahan Jaffer, Zane Majors, Soylent Blue, Woodrow, Dave Davies, Retail, Wharf's Tiny Brown Dix, Olivia Pardieu, Tom Hickey, Matthew Houston, Captain McMunchausen, <laughs> second page, James McLennan, Damn. Jose Hunter's EWNF remixes, Will Clay, Mark C, Bella, Jonas, and Loki. Thank you very much for supporting And for us. the record, no, I won't. No. Will Clay not. Thou shall you not. It is a coincidental thing. I don't think it's a pun. I think it's his name. So I've, we'll, Yeah, no, I, I understand. <laughs> uh, Will Clay or won't he? You should change your patron name to that. Um, that's it. Thank you, patrons. And as always, our patrons get to leave their thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them. We're going to, honestly, we're going to start to have to do a separate show for each episode just for patron thoughts. I know. Get They're so getting very pay, long. Which is, no, I, I mean, not just that. It's just that we've got so many, which is which is amazing. Thank you, guys. But it, it's like our shows end up getting like 20 minutes longer because we have to uh, we have to. Uh, no, they definitely. Yeah, things. it's not it's a great. It's not a comment on the quality. It's just there's more no, of them now. And when I do the edit, it's like I, our opening segment is 40 minutes. And I'm like, all right, it'll, it'll be quick. And then it's another 40 minutes on top yeah. of that at the very end. Thank you for your generosity, everybody. Uh, and if we don't reply to everybody, that's usually why we before before we start recording the second section i go there's a lot of these clay we got to get through these kind of quick because i need to go to bed <laughs> jakey's gamer says north star a morality play western in space star trek in a nutshell it's a fun episode and the guest actors are great great visuals and good action scenes too i do think there was a, mis- a missed opportunity here for archer to see the human skag relationship as a parallel of what could happen between earth and the zindi some potential character development and story movement there that they just didn't take advantage of still i like this one four out of five yeah, I think that's the thing that's missing, really, because I think it works totally fine as it is. I think it's a fun Western and whatever, but I think what's missing is Archer drawing some sort of parallel or anybody really drawing some sort of parallel from it. Um, and I mean, I guess you could argue that the 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 parallel can be drawn. It's just not explicitly stated. Yeah, I I, I wonder about that because that would be my thing. I wonder... Like, because when DS9, even in the midst of its war arc, with long seasons like this, it it had episodes that were not 
related to anything. You know, it was like, these mm-hmm. are just our standalones. And I don't think people seem to care about those ones. I don't know what it is about the Zindi arc. It's almost like we passed a point in time where now that this television show was made in 2003, its serialized story has to be pro- like present in every single episode. And I don't think that works for Star Trek, especially a show with 20-something yeah. episodes every season. I would take your point that the parallel is there. The show, in my opinion, wisely decides to not hammer it on over the head with it. Like mm-hmm. because there's only there's only so many episodes we can have where Archer realizes something. Sure. But then continues on his mission with this bloodlust where you go, is he well, that's, learning anything? Yeah. That's the tough part, because like if if the implication is there, it's just not specifically pointed to. You've got the situation where Archer is taking a position that he's being fairly hypocritical about. Right. Uh, which is fine. Um, it'd be nice if they you know, called that out. It doesn't have to be in this episode, but yeah. at some point if they called that out, that'd be nice. Because, yeah. you know, characters don't have to, everything they say doesn't have to be, mean everything they, everything they say doesn't have to be representative of everything they think or do, yeah. you know? Yeah. They're humans most of the time. Yes, and especially, like, it's been a criticism of Archer for us that he never seems to learn, but I think that in a serial story like this, the lesson is not learned in an instant. You know, Archer has to mm-hmm. Archer has to have a journey where he gradually lets go of that. And I, I just consider this episode to be a piece of that journey where he is slowly seeing various sides of the issue that he's dealing with. Sure. I still don't think it's great, but I think that that's, that that's a believable approach to me. Matt Ross says, Deadwood Enterprise style. This is an episode. This episode is fun and cheesy and totally in the wrong season as it has nothing to do with the Zindi. We've seen it in a Voyager episode called The 37s, but it's still fun. And one question is, how come there are no tech development in the past 300 years? Three out of five. Nick the Rat says, imagine watching Deadwood's first episode with it's been a long time right after the first hanging. It's almost as jarring as watching Malcolm hopping around looking like a kid with a Nerf gun. How are the humans able to overthrow advanced aliens and why did they not adopt any of the technology? At first thought, I thought this episode spat in the eye of the Prime Directive, but then I remembered they were human. The amazing and gory effect of Archer getting shot was beautiful. I give this schlock three gaping bullet holes in Archer's chest out of five. That really was like a Paul Verhoeven Robocop squib that they blew off yeah. on his shoulder. I, a chunk I was of beef flies at the camera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Royo says... A bunch of primitive humans overthrown advanced alien civilization using some of that famous Enterprise logic that will eventually have Mirror Universe Zephyrin Cochran and his hollow buddies defeating the Vulcan First Contact crew and using their ship to conquer the entire Vulcan Confederacy. The result is that Spoilers. Enterprise seemingly implies human supremacy is the big twist of the episode is that the only one that will stand up for the Skagarans was actually a Skagaran all along. Perhaps because this episode so heavily resembles a goofy TOS episode that its betrayal of Roddenberry's vision of humanity is so stark, as in contrast to City on the Edge of Forever and the boundless optimism and, and compassion of Edith Keeler, the genocidal humans of the Old West appear to have no redeeming value. And the Enterprise doesn't really, uh, the episode doesn't really have anything to say about that either, as there is not even an African American in town to point out the hypocrisy of their society. Even in the Nazi TOS episode Patterns of Force, the Nazis were given a more nuanced depiction with the party secretary Daras being a secret member of the underground. Bland, mm. two out of five. Yeah, I can see that. Do, do, do. Yeah, I, I disagree. Really? Like, we're too far into this, I think, at this point. First of all, he wouldn't be an African-American because he's not born in America. He's born on some space planet. 
that's, that's the main problem with that. Yeah, let's get the semantics out of the way first. There was some. There was some. Who? Oh, it might have been on the Discord. Someone called Idris Elba an African American, and it's a, it's always it's always the British people that correct him and say he's actually British. That's yeah. how poisoned our American minds have become yeah. to this thing, where we just call black people African Americans, even if they're born in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, they still do it to people who are born in Dominican Republic. You know? It's, yes. Yeah. Who are who are neither of those things? No. I know. Well, I mean, if you're a black person born in Japan, you know, yeah, you're not an African American. If you're born in Haiti, you're not an African American. It's just like. Right, very right. strange, um, strange use of language. But yeah, I just, I, I don't. Where's the comment? Is it gone? Can't be gone. Um, I don't find this town to be irredeemable. He has, he says, the characters in this town have no redeeming value. They learn a lesson by the end of it, pretty you know? quickly. <laughs> yeah, very quickly. They warm to the the idea shockingly fast. They open the schools back up. They bring them on. I um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's that cynical. I guess of mm. an episode. Like I, I think that there's a lot of the similarities to Edith Keeler in it. Honestly, um, he mentions that as a contrast. I, I just don't. I don't see the difference between the two of them. Uh, Cerulio says, when I first watched Star Trek and TNG, I was too young to understand how ridiculous space cowboys, space gangsters, space Nazis, and space Irish were. For better or worse, I just accepted that those types of people were just part of the Star Trek universe, and now as an adult, I forgive and accept the premise of episodes like this. Unfortunately, this one isn't all that good, and I was only left with two thoughts. One, why do the aliens love to take humans for slave labor only to immediately get overthrown? Uh, and two, was this episode trying to draw some analogy to African-Americans when the archers says a lot has changed in 300 years since humans were taken from Earth? And the sheriff says, they abducted my ancestors, Captain, turned them into slaves, and we tend to have a long memory when it comes to that sort of a thing. That's the modern ones uh, right there, I think. Three out of mm-hmm. five from Cerulea. But it's mm-hmm. interesting. It's, it's an episode that really has changed, I think. Like, um, I think a lot of the stuff that we see in it today is probably not intentional. It's just the way that society is now uh, working maybe i mean that's a pretty direct reference i think they're making uh it's 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 kind of there's really uh not too many other analogies to be drawn from that specific statement that he says well i mean but other other societies have been enslaved in the world you know it's not like blacks aren't uniquely enslaved in this like the jews could be something you know sure yeah I, i just I, I don't see it as specific. I think now in a modern context, I think it specifically hits that area. But I think that it can mm-hmm. just be a generic um, sort of prejudice thing before then. Because is Mayweather in this episode? Like, there's, 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 and there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no black character in the town or anything. Like, like I, I think if the, if Star Trek is not that subtle, if this was what they were doing, there would be a black character in the town who mm-hmm. is experiencing that kind of a thing. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's just more generic than that. Um, and what's what's more generic than a town full of whiteies? Not much, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> listening to listening to our Spotify uh, best of the eighties mixes. Cardinal Doomsday says North Star. A man gets lynched, and they play that totally inappropriate theme song again. We want Sheriff Worf to come and clean up this town. Earth has evolved and discovered warp flight, but Deadwood in the Expanse hasn't. And Trip can't ride a horse. One evil deputy out of five. Strange, just a semi-joke sequence. Why I guess. did they need that horse? 
they had to go to the right. How does Archer get out there? I guess he rides a horse. He must ride a I, horse. I guess. Like, do they just all they they only rode the horse out to meet them? The Skags. They where, needed the horse to the find the Skag Town. Yeah. Yeah. Where every song on the radio is the Lido Shuffle by Boss Skags. If um. Interesting they didn't just replicate some money for them instead of having to do this bartering system where he's got a gun and a harmonica. <laughs> and hopefully that's enough to, to get the horse off the guy. He should have just sent do him they, down with some gold. Do they have a replicator at this point? I don't know. I don't How do they, they do. make those do guns? They... Oh, good point. Yeah, there's someone tied to a wagon wheel <laughs> out in the, <laughs> that, they, that they knocked out and stole his clothes, I think, somewhere out in the... Uh, uh, what does he say to watch out for? The, the desert vipers or oh, something? Oh, yeah, desert vipers, yeah. Yeah, someone, someone's out there in trouble. That's a good point. They actually don't know where they got their clothing from if they don't have replicators. Maybe they can replicate things. They've, as they do, they've given up on the transporters dangerous to use in this, too, because they just get yeah. beamed out. Is it, this was the first time I feel like they've just straight up gone for the transporter yeah. in, in, like, without making a big deal about, sir, are you sure? You know, something that kind of thing. So, yep. I guess that's just uh, part of the part of the game now. Yeah, it's it was it was hanging by a thread. Honestly, <laughs> that, that yeah. whole thing yeah. it's, it was getting kind I, of awkward. Yeah, I think if you if they really wanted to address it, they could cover it with the retrofit of Enterprise or something, yeah. where they updated the technology and uh, transporter I mean, technology's gotten a lot safer in these eight months that you've been out in. Uh, cruising around alpha centauri are we at this point are we really gaining anything by having a shuttle go everywhere like do you like i no, i felt no. that meant something early but i don't think yeah it, oh definitely yeah I, I don't think it means anything anymore and yeah yeah it's, like think of the episode with the kurgan in it with clancy brown in it where like the whole second half of the episode is them like running through the desert mm. trying to get back to the only way they can get off the planet which right. is the shuttlecraft yeah that's actually that. That's that's the best thing that the shuttlecraft and the dangerous transporter did is that you can't just. There's no logic problem of right. just beam them out of there and see what happens. Right. I, I, exactly. I like that. Yeah. In this one, maybe they want to be continue to be careful about that or something. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, Latte librarian says Archer is more convincing as a cowboy than a captain. This is maybe the only episode where I would say Discovery did it better. Was I the only one who thought Reed looked a little too pleased to shoot to Paul? Two Western cliches out of five. We, told, we didn't even mention that with the shoot the hostage moment. Yeah, pop quiz. How did they? How did they not have a scene afterwards where T'Pol was like, seriously, <laughs> or or even like you made the right choice? I would definitely do the same thing to you. Yeah, I um, I was a little bit because well, I guess it does work. I I don't know. I I was I'm always a little bit surprised that the cowboy that is holding her hostage is surprised. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised. It feels like it's more surprising in speed when he does that than it does here. Um, I always feel that the, I feel that the cowboy after Chapal gets shot is very slow to react to Malcolm still pointing a gun at him. You know, he's like, well, what mm. the heck's going on here? Man, Jeff Daniels really gets a raw deal in speed. He gets shot in the leg mm-hmm. and then later on he gets blown up. Yep. And doesn't get to ride Weird the bus. Would say he does not get to ride the bus. Doesn't get to ride the bus at all. Um, I assume Latte Librarian is talking about Discovery, the uh, Kelpians thing that you are. I guess I can't. I can't think of anything else that would be a reference there. Hmm. Uh, 
Point XG says, honestly, without the Western elements, there's not a lot here, and the setup is stretched pretty thin, logically. It's extremely unlikely that a group of people would create and keep 250 years later a perfect 1870s environment down to the buildings, language, attire, firearms, and the like, but I don't care. Have, have this, he's uh, clearly never been to Colonial Williamsburg then. Yeah, Old Sturbridge Village. Yes, this, Sturbridge Village. This is yes. what people do. Um, I don't care. It's a freaking Western. We get a saloon, a jailbreak, Colton Winchesters versus phasers. What the hell else do you want? Way better than a fistful of datas. Maybe not quite as good as Spectre of the Gun. Interesting. I, uh, I thought that was a, that's an interesting, that's a, a good comment, I think. Um, just because uh, it buys into the Western thing more successfully than the other ones do. Eric Sanchuan says they love their Westerns on Star Trek, don't they? Maybe not. There's only three. And I guess this is the best one because it has plenty of action and isn't paced like a root canal. Although we have talked about how DS9 is a Western in space. It's in conception. It's just not explicitly sure. wearing cowboy yeah. hats. Yeah. Uh, but still, I have questions. Why are there cowboys? Why are they still living their lives on the set of Kenny Rogers, the gambler? American humans evolved after 200 years. Why wouldn't these transplanted humans also evolve after overthrow- overthrowing their captors? Anyway, there's nothing inherently wrong with this episode. It may feel like an episode of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, but it's perfectly watchable. Despite the fact that they overthrew a technically advanced, technologically advanced race that could leave the planet and kidnap people and bring them back light years away. They never had an industrial revolution. So they were really kind of stuck in the late 1800s there. When was it? Wasn't the industrial revolution before this? When was the industrial revolution? I don't know. I've been watching the <laughs> foods that built America a lot, and then it all seems to take place around like 1900. So yeah, maybe it it's when, was. when canning technology got really yeah. good. <laughs> Yeah. Do they say, I don't, I don't know if they say a year where this one is supposed to be taking place. Point Extra says 1870s, but maybe it wasn't that. Um, yeah, I guess the Industrial Revolution would have been around the 19th. Well, it must have been before oh, that, well, though, right? 18 something? Because uh, uh, according, according to Google, uh, it started in 1760 and ended in 1840. So it was well over at that point. Yeah. I mean, because I guess you need the Industrial Revolution to build cities. So. Right. Well, I guess I guess my point is like they couldn't build a factory or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. They didn't, yeah. There, there were no factories being built in uh, in Tombstone or Deadwood, yes. and so they didn't have the means to do it here. Yeah, maybe not to build a city, but you need the. Uh, there's still post-industrial revolution. There's still Wild West, which is always a conflict right. of the, right. the Western. Right. Um, and yeah, is the conf- Yeah, like it's the conflict of most westerns. Is there's a train coming? Yeah. And none of us know how trains work. And that, the horse starts off leading the train, and then the train just overtakes it. And you say, that's progress, mm-hmm. baby. That's, pro- that's yep. progressive. <laughs> um, Cal Barrett says, welcome the fucking North Star. Can be combative. No joke, this is easily the episode of Enterprise I've watched the most. Maybe even the episode of any Star Trek series I've watched the most. Social commentary and the cycle of violence is simplistic at best and ham-fisted at worst. But before I watched these types of episodes when I was younger, I thought <laughs> ethnic cleansing was a makeup brand for black women. So it must be doing something <laughs> right. Given the subject matter, the show's lessons and the talk with McReady probably would have had more texture coming from Mayweather rather than that San Francisco cocksucker Archer. But regardless mm-hmm. of that, this episode is an excuse to have a lot of fun with the Western tropes as an uh, anachronistic site of Starfleet, as the anachronistic site of Starfleet attacking Western town with phasers, offering plenty of enjoyable TOS pulp. Five out of five. Man, English English commercials are a lot edgier than I thought they were. Yeah, yeah. The Europeans are more racist than Americans. You go to all the soccer games that are throwing yeah, bananas just, at people. That, we're just going to say that. That's the subtitle of our show. 
testify. <laughs> Europeans my, are more racist than Americans. My European grandparents were far more awkward around race than my American grandparents were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, although they're, 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 it's the, the British office stuff is always the... Um, they have a race racism towards Pakistanis that we don't over here because they just have more Pakistanis in in Britain. Um, okay, it's just a weird difference, like the because the the BBC office always has jokes about awkward interaction with Pakis and, and things like that, and it's it's just something that Americans don't have a conception about. We have our own racial racist. Yeah, uh, we've, we've got we've got plenty of our own <laughs> issues to deal with. I think uh, it's just we're all we're all different, but all the same. I guess is the way to look at this. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kyle. Captain Brazen says, saddle up, partner, get ready for the Wild West in space. It's a perfectly preserved Western town populated by real cowboys, real saloons, real horses that you can rent for loaning a harmonica, and, of course, a massive gunfight to boot. What more could you ask for? Oh, and sorry if you wanted more story with this one. Well, the writers got together, talked about character growth, and realized, but Western. This is quite the pulpy fun episode, despite the writers not contributing again to the Zindi arc while forcing a half-assed social commentary of racism is bad down our throats with a spurred boot. Like the Borg episode from season two, turn off your brain and simply enjoy the mindless fun, including Malcolm stunning to Paul with his pistol, but not in the way he had hoped. I three fully realized versions of my childhood game of astronauts versus cowboys come to life out of five. You know, it's one of those things where, again, I think if you start thinking about it, it kind of falls apart pretty quickly. You just kind of ha- kind of enjoy the fact that they're doing a Western. Mm. But like those kinds of Western towns like Deadwood, they weren't just there to hang out. They were there in support of like the mining industry or yeah, something. The, you know? People were trying to make money out there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's no indication that any of these people do anything. No, there's no outside. They don't have an industry after the Gagarins left. It's not like they have right. a, a drive to do anything. Yeah. yeah. It's like they have a clothing shop because it's a Western place and Western places have clothing shops, yeah. but they got to get that stuff from somewhere. Yeah. Although I guess they do imply that there are other settlements and stuff. That was, that so. was a little strange too. I, cause I think Archer has a, when he when he's still pretending to be there, the woman is asking him if he knows the story of that guy who settled the town or something. And kind mm-hmm. of, that kind of a weird sequence. I where Archer, I couldn't tell if Archer legitimately recognized the guy or was just going along with. Of course, I know who that is. That you look just like that guy. Who is that? Mm. Um, Jebediah Springfield. Yeah, Cooper Cooper Hurtenwinkle or whatever the guy's name was in this one. Uh, thank you, Captain Brazen. Matt Cabanas Adley says the episode, I'm sorry if I butchered the middle name there, but the episode where Archer shows he's a better Starfleet captain than Pike and does what Pike should have done in New Eden. Five bottles of Skagarin whiskey out of five. Oh, maybe that's the one they're talk- he was talking about, the New Eden, because it's kind of the same That's thing. true. Well, it's not exactly the same but thing. But it's humans stolen from Earth. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have prejudice in that episode, though, do they? I don't think so. No, it's a, it's a religious thing, right? Yeah, it's religious. What do they? They get stolen from like Earth, and then they find a new religion. In the new red, Eden? the red angel transports them all. Yeah. to save them, and they worship the red angel at that point. Yes, right? yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Thank and you, have man. absolutely no interactions with natives, avoiding all of the stickiness of of uh, colonialism. Yep. and all other sorts of metaphors and and themes that could be brought and up the in that final. Situation. The final guy that Pike talks to is an African American. Excuse me, is a is an African New Edenian. Um, Groffler, Groffler John Soren says, North Star. They said it pretty quick, but the guy got lynched in the cold open for killing someone named Clay. 
Suggestive dialogue. If you give us a horse, I won't play the harmonica. Evolving away from latex forehead prosthetics, the, the Skagarans are just like humans, but have blistering acne. There's nothing terribly profound to be had here, but it hits all the dramatic and comedic beats. This is the most enjoyable of Enterprise, among the most enjoyable of Enterprise's episode, and it's the best of Trek's three westerns. Five out of five. I would like to hope that if I one day am killed by a Skagaran, our listeners do know how to hold a grudge yeah. and specifically go after that person and uh, after the Skagarans for the next 300 years. I would appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just speaking holistically. If uh, On the personal level, of course, vendettas are ethically correct and <laughs> on, oh, really on necessary the, you know <laughs> totally necessary to living yeah. a life that you want to live mary pat f says i guess i can't get over the concept that a highly advanced race the skagarans left the expanse traveled all the way to earth to enslave humans despite passing other populations to enslave yet also brought the humans guns horses and other western lifestyle back with them yet the humans overthrow them but still did not adapt any of the skagaran tech and still kept living like a western movie scenario this was just not for me two out of five Tom it is it is really kind of like a bottle city of candor type thing from Superman where they just Brainiac just like chunks out a section of town mm. and just takes the whole thing with so everything is is built into it already like they all the buildings and the horses and all the other accoutrement of the yeah. of the era um cuz otherwise there was like a couple guys there who were like hey let's build let's make some hats like we had back home on, on Earth, some big hats. It is. I didn't even realize it, but it is in retrospect surprising that this feels like the episode where those people somehow got transported and don't realize that they're not on Earth somehow. You know, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just kind of surprising they didn't do that. Yeah, actually, it's just. It's. It, yeah. I think that's even harder to explain than why haven't you evolved in two hundred years? It's like you're no. You're, this is not, clearly not Earth. Like where, where the hell are we? Um, Tom Hickey says. Although I think the aliens do abduct them because they are exactly used to living in the the, the landscape of this planet. Like they basically this planet looks like Oklahoma or something like that, and they are they're willing to take them there. North Star, Tom Hickey, final comment. It would have been neat to see the humans evolve a separate branch of Wild West culture, something slightly alien, rather than completely retain the lingo and style of the times. I think if you're going to do an episode with this sci-fi setup, which is decent, you get more creative with the people that you're supposed to reflect something about human nature, at least slightly different clothes and slang. Instead, it's mostly a carbon copy of the time period. It wasn't nearly as fun as it could have been. Oh, and prejudice is bad. But I liked during the final shootout when Reed's phaser hit a water water trough and it made a little splash. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> It's the small things in the, these Enterprise episodes. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, patrons, for all your comments. I'm just I'm making a note here about how I want to close this out. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your comments about North Star. A wide variety of opinions here. A lot of fives, a lot of twos, and some threes mixed in. Clay, what are you going to give this one? Mm, um... Uh... I don't know. That's tough. Um, I'm going to say a low four. Because sure. I, I, it didn't blow me away, but I think it's one of the more in, uh, entertaining ones, especially in this season so far. Yeah. Um, which is kind, which is a plus for the a plus for the episode, but like a negative for the show. If I'm being honest. Yep. Because they've kind of tried to change everything around, and it's not quite doing it for me. And then they do a one off where people ride horses and shoot guns, and all of a sudden, I'm like, yay! 
<laughs> this is you what know. I signed up for. I'm a little more um, sh- more shoulder explosions in the Zindi arc, guys. Come on. I'm a little yeah. To get off that point, I'm a little. Uh, I'm a. I'm quite let down by the Zindi arc so far. Um, yeah. It's not. It's not the way that people say that season four is very good, but people are saying season three. Some people are saying. Not, I don't think this is a consensus or anything, but some people are saying like season three is good. Uh, someone asked on the Discord. I think season three of Star Trek Enterprise is not much different than the first two seasons, except it has this backbone of an arc that's running through it. But it's not. In, it's not improved the show in any dramatic way. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I'm going to give this a four. I think this is one of my. One of the favorite episodes of Enterprise that I've seen so far. This is probably like a top five uh, at this point, maybe even higher than that. Um, I like the way it's shot. I like the style. I like the sort of TOS-y nature of it, that it's just kind of like this little quick hit of an action adventure. I like that they stepped away from the Zindi. I thought that was a good choice for a little bit. Um, I think that they make the Western actually a Western. I think that the philosophy and the ethics of what they're talking about is very Star Trek-y and actually kind of a appropriate to a Western. I agree with all the other patrons who say, and I said it last time, because this is the same lesson as the shipment. It's like prejudice is bad is basically what the show seems to. It's like, okay, like, yes, Mm. thank you. Can we go to recess now is my takeaway from that. Like um, they never have anything interesting to say about it. Really? It's just like, like I know prejudice is bad, and I'm not opposed to a prejudice storyline, but if all you take away from a story is prejudice is bad, in a lot of ways, it's similar to what Discovery does, which is that it states something that I know to be true and I think is mm-hmm. like almost universal at this point, like depending on your point of view. I know there are some people who aren't going to disagree or whatever, but the vast majority of people are going to say prejudice is bad. And like Discovery, Enterprise never really tests what that means or like why do you think that or what does it mean to be prejudiced or why is it bad what it just kind of says it and then it expects you to applaud and say that's that's 100 correct you guys are that's a great point that's my problem with the episode but otherwise i really like it i'm gonna give it a four yeah it's um i guess that's probably part of why i was thinking if it, it maybe it had something to do with another uh middle eastern allegory because that's kind of that's where the shipment was was kind of yes. fairly obviously uh, anchored in. But I, um, I guess that that mostly comes from the fact that he's part of the thing that the Enterprise is hunting. So when you tie it to mm-hmm. Al Qaeda, that makes a little bit more sense to be like a nine eleven allegory, where you're like, not all oh, Muslim, sure. yeah. not all Muslims are bad. Like that's why. Well, that's why I found it. I, I wasn't sure because that makes a lot more sense in that context than it that sort of analogy does in this context. This right. is just more of kind of like a general a general prejudice yeah, is gen- bad kind of thing. Just, just, just checking well, in with everybody. <laughs> just saying it. Remember. Rick's like, hey guys, we might we might be pushing the specific prejudice a little hard. Let's ease back and just give a more general sense of what prejudice is. I just I just read this book by this great author, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Yeah, and I, these, what I these wonderful illustrations it, of Chinamen. <laughs> They're tremendous. Yeah, it's got <laughs> great ethnically accurate illustrations. I feel like they came out of an encyclopedia. And really, it was the message. It was the message behind them that really stuck with me. 
One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Brandon. Um, I don't care what color fish you are. As long as you, as you can tell off in my Star Trek episode. Yeah, as you can tell, I'm trying to broaden my horizons because, uh, you know, not every episode can be a nice velour tracksuit for T'Pol to wear, even though the one she wears in this one, very nice. Dr. Seuss did an uncredited when, rewrite. Brandon. When we got the girl on the table and we're taking we're taking the bullet out of her, can we have her the thing over her crotch? Can we just slide it down as far as we can go? Like let's really let's get caught trying, as I've said before. <laughs> they don't care in the twenty third century. It's all over twenty second century. Thank you, patrons. That's it. That's North Star. Thank you for leaving your thoughts. Thank you for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show there. Another long episode, Clay. It's all these comments we've got to get through. Yeah. And I'm, I just keep talking too much. Too. They should run. They should just do the show. I know. We'll turn we'll turn the Penske file into just like an Amazon type platform yep. where we present the uh the vehicle and we take the money. That's fine. But they run the show. Yeah, as long as I get all the money, that's we can yeah. we can do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll create distribution centers in each of your towns that you can go to work at, and it will be fine. Uh, yes, the the district, the uh, you know how Amazon is like doing that thing now where they're recreating the bookstore, which is fucking ridiculous. Where yep. it's like, have, can you believe you can walk into a store and just buy a book mm-hmm. the same day? It doesn't have to be shipped to you. Yep. the The podcast equivalent would be we show up at your job and we talk at the water cooler about these shows <laughs> that you just watched <laughs> while you are doing a podcast from your basement. It's called Amazon Wine. Um, <laughs> that's it. Thank you very much for supporting us. We did all this. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, we've got uh, Rotten Horror Picture Show. I don't know what week we're in, but uh, we've just recently done uh, Brian De Palmer's Sisters and Ken Russell's The Devils, and we're covering on our Patreon. We're doing the Friday the 13th movies. In the month of April, we just finished Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which is the final chapter, but it's the fourth movie out of 12. Um, and uh, if that's a fan favorite, if you want to hear Amanda and I not be so charitable to the fan favorite. You can kill him and listen to us on listen to us on that one. Wait, which, uh, and, which uh, one badass, is this? Which one's the fan favorite? Uh, part four. Oh, really? Yeah. How, yeah it's already determined. Is that that's just like a general consensus? Is that it's one of the better ones? Yeah, it's it's generally considered from from what I know is is it's like the the one that everybody seems to to point to as being like the 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 definitive Friday the Thirteenth movie yeah. and. Uh, Spoiler alert, it was probably my least favorite of mm. the four so far. So Yeah. Um, but it's got Crispin Glover in it doing a crazy dance, so it's worth watching. Well. And badass, if it's not back at this point, it should be back pretty soon. Probably is back by this point. Um that's good. Check out the Patreon, check out the Friday the thirteenth part four. Badass is back. All the other shows continue as normal. Very close to the Patreon Voyager goal. If you guys kick us over, mm-hmm. Voyager will very, eventually very happen after Enterprise. That's it. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. We will see you later.